All right, this is the Cafe Americaine podcast. I am your intrepid host, broadcasting to you from nowhere in the middle of a desert. But that could potentially change sometime soon. And this is very exciting news for me. You can you can catch me on Stitcher, Podbean, uh, iHeartRadio podcasts, iTunes, and I think there's going to be also YouTube. But that's always a big, giant pain in my fucking ass. But uh, because it's always a, such a pain in my balls to set up. So a lot of things have been going on lately. I've been listening to a couple of talks by somebody by the name of Dr. Joseph Farrell. And he is exciting because he was a professor in, in a college. I don't know where exactly he was. but And he said, forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be some peddler of propaganda just so the school can get funding and he went out on his own. So he talks about uh, pretty much alternative history and uh, a lot of ancient, ancient texts that he applies to modern day uh, scenarios, including uh, pretty much he starts with the Treaty of Versailles, goes off into uh, the, the Nazis during World War II and how that those two events influenced the rest of American history up until this day, today, 2019. So it's exciting to listen to him. I, I, I shouldn't say that. He talks like a monotone individual. He talks like a professor, and he really doesn't have any inflection in his voice. He is not a broadcaster, but anyway, he his information is fantastic. He's written so many books, and I'll probably talk about him a little bit later on. But first and foremost, we're going to start with, guess what? The border wall. Because this is such a big deal. The Democrats and the Republicans are both turning this issue into a giant political mess. The Democrats, with um, those two stupid morons, uh, Schumer and Pelosi, two ugly individuals, two worst skunks, they're disgusting people that I've ever seen anywhere, and they are the ones that are supposed to be negotiating with Donald Trump. They're not negotiating. Neither side is negotiating. They're both a bunch of assholes because the Democrats are saying, oh, no, we will not discuss a uh, any sort of funding for a border wall. And why? The, bu- the whole thing, the budget, it's a fraction of the budget. And the Republicans are saying, well, guess what? We're not going to go anywhere unless we get funding for that wall. And Why? Why? Now you've got certain people that aren't getting paid. Now, a lot of these individuals that aren't getting paid because they're government workers and and they don't get paid during a partial government shutdown, a lot of these individuals are saying, yes, that's fine. We understand the whole process, and we're behind the president on this. But the media will not report that. The media doesn't report anything, or the mainstreams don't report anything that would be supportive of President Trump. There is a clear agenda here, and they are hired by individuals that have another clear agenda, mainly the one that does not want any national boundaries anywhere in the world. Hello, George Soros. I'm looking at you. Uh, they, uh, they, the media did try to gin up support for the Democrats, and CNN went to San Diego and it was a TV station, a local TV station. And what they wanted to do, what CNN wanted to do, was visit KUSI, KUSI, I guess, 
on Thursday morning. And they wanted one of their local reporters to go down to the wall and essentially say the wall sucks. There's no reason for a wall. And there is no such problem with immigration. And it turns out that CNN essentially – well, I'll just read the tweet. KUSI News. Thursday morning, CNN called the KUSI newsroom asking if a reporter could give them a local view of the debate surrounding the border wall and government shutdown. After we informed them about our past reports, those reports being in support of a wall, they declined to hear from us. So this is what's going on. If CNN doesn't want to talk – it's clear – it is clear that CNN does not want to do anything that would support a wall. Now, why are they doing this? It's not because that they actually care about border security or they care about immigrants. It's, it's, it's a ratings grab because the left and the part of, partially the center, they are so, so worked up about anything that Donald Trump does they will do, CNN, will say anything to contradict everything that Donald Trump does. So CNN sent the formerly outcasted Jim Acosta down to the border, and he's walking along the steel slatted walls, and he is out there with his smug nose and stupid Ray-Ban glasses and his big fucking head. He's got an enormous head with stupid hair, by the way. And he's walking along the wall in McAllen, Texas, where Trump was. And he's saying, well, we don't see any sort of emergency here along the border, especially along the border with this wall. There's nothing here. There are no problems. So why are we ever going to build a wall? Well, listen up, you jackass. You just proved your own. You just proved Trump's point. You shouldn't have gone to a part of the border with a wall where there's nobody there. If you wanted to disprove Trump uh, or dif disprove Trump's argument that the country needs a wall along its southern border, you should have gone to a portion of the border without a wall and shot video showing nobody trying to cross the border. That's what you should have done. You shouldn't have gone to a part of the wall and said, look, nobody's here. Yeah, dipshit, no one is going to be there because there is a wall and nobody wants to cross a wall. You just proved Donald Trump's points. Nice going, jackass. So CNN, it, this is just a money grab because CNN is trying to garner up support and sponsors from Democrat-leaning individuals and so there is another person this ha that happened recently his name is william m arkin and he used to work for nbc and this is so i want to also uh, uh get this straight a lot of these mainstream media folks and mainstream media networks they are always anti-trump no matter what happens with trump they are against it. doesn't matter how good the economic numbers are. doesn't matter how good the unemployment numbers are. It doesn't matter if Donald Trump ends wars, like in Syria, where the United States under Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton invaded a sovereign nation without any justification and without the invitation of said sovereign nation. Hello, Syria. I'm looking at you. Russia was invited to go into Syria and clear out ISIS. Iran was invited into Syria to clear out ISIS. Hezbollah was invited into Syria to clear out ISIS. The United States just entered into Syria 
and invaded and took over everything. Now, there's another, this, isn't, this has nothing to do with stopping ISIS. What this really has to do with is archaeoastronomy uh, and archaeology. The United States is going all throughout the Middle East, including Libya, Egypt, Iraq, uh, Syria, and Iran, to try to find ancient technology that is far more advanced than anybody can even imagine here in the United States in 2019. We're talking about ancient technology that these people are trying to re-engineer to use for their own violent ends. That's what this whole Middle Eastern thing is about. And this has to do with a lot of archaeoastronomy, which means stars are realigning and the Earth is realigning its poles and the solar system is going to start or, um, changing its orbits around the sun. So a lot of all these planets are also doing the same thing. They're all going through it. Climate change is involved with this. It is a natural progression. So there's nothing that we can do here. But what is happening is that the power brokers that are still here, the elites that know this kind of thing, they may or may not be human, or they may be hybrids that know this kind of thing, they can feel, sense, and realize that the writing is on the wall, and they do not have so much time more to play with. So they are going for broke. They're trying to take over these nations and find all of these objects. So this is all part of it. So now you're seeing... The Band-Aids being ripped off of all of this. You may or may not support Trump. I don't care. I am not too fond of him. I think he's funny because he always tweaks everybody in the media. But most of his policies and the people that he appoints, I am completely against. You're going to appoint Bolton? John Bolton? The fucking uh, Captain Kangaroo with a stupid mustache and those tiny little feet. He is the biggest fucking warmonger they have out there right now. He will do anything to get the United States into a war, including going against the president when the president said, we're leaving Syria, that's it. So Bolton goes around and tries to screw over Turkey and says, well, the president really didn't mean that, and the United States is going to stay in Syria. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, this is what I'm talking about. Well, then I'll jump to that story then. So, uh, so there's another story that's here. I, was, I, I, went, I wanted to talk about Arkin for a minute. But this will, this will tie in nicely. So there is a story out there. As I just said, John Bolton, who is Trump's national security advisor, he is an arch neocon. So every time you, see, you hear neocon, you have to think dual citizen. I am not saying which country he's a dual citizen of. And basically anything he can possibly do to get into a war and ravage the Middle East or any other portion of the world – he is involved in it. And every time you hear words coming out of somebody's mouth, like the America is here to spread freedom and make sure that minorities are stood up for and protecting people and protect all you should hear, all you should interpret that as America is going to war for some sort of resource, interest, or some sort of device that is ancient and they are trying to piece it back together so that they can use said device and take over. The United States is not doing very nice things to a lot of places. So John Bolton went against Trump, and Trump tweeted a long time ago. He said, that's it, we're done with Syria, everybody's leaving. And so John Bolton tried to go around, and now Secretary of State Michael Pompeo, who was a deep state person, 
involved with the CIA, uh, Department of Homeland Security. He is up to his fat eyeballs. I mean, this guy is the epitome of fat, by the way. Uh, he's up to his fat eyeballs in neocon warmongering bullshit. So now Bolton and Pompeo are, re are reeling back in Trump by uh, usurping him. And saying, well, Trump really didn't mean to say that. We're here for as long as we want. Well, let me tell you something. Citing information by activists with the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, a convoy, and this is reported by the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, a convoy of American vehicles, of about 10 armored vehicles and trucks, left the town of Ramillion, if I pronounce that correctly, in Syria, and drove into Iraq. The United States stronghold. Colonel Sean Ryan, spokesperson for the coalition fighting the Islamic State group, which is essentially Al Qaeda and ISIS, which is has being, it's it was armed, armed and funded by the United States, the CIA, Saudi Arabia, Israel, Turkey, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates, right? So the ISIS is not some terror group that just popped up out of nowhere. The West funded it. Uh, he later confirmed. Uh, Colonel Sean Ryan, that the process for our deliberate withdrawal from Syria has started. And guess what? Guess what? Pompeo is out there. He's saying, well, we have to protect the Kurds. All of the Democrats are saying this is so irresponsible of Donald Trump. How dare he leave our treasured allies to the likes of Turkey, a NATO ally? Because Turkey is in there saying, well, the United States hired the Kurds to go after Syria and try to blow it up. And now the United States is withdrawing. We consider, Turkey, considers the Kurds a terrorist group. So we're going to just go along with everybody else's uh, 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 logic and say, well, if they're terrorists, then no rules apply to them. And no rules apply to us. We can go after them. So the big deal is that the United States is leaving Syrian oil fields and Syrian raw materials and raw minerals up to Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And Russia, Iran, and Turkey have all met. So you have all these neocons, these dual-citizen neocons, going up in arms, saying, how dare the United States do this? The United States is pulling out of an illegal war that it started. How dare the United States do this and give up the oil fields? That's what's being said behind closed doors, right? And so Pompeo is going around, and he's talking about the Kurds, the United States' ally. These have been folks that have fought with us. And it's important that we do everything we can to ensure that those folks that fought with us are protected. And that's what he wanted. That's what he's saying. The ca and he spoke of these people in Erbil, the capital of Iraq's semi-autonomous Kurdistan region. Okay, so now that is a very, very important phrase. Semi-autonomous Kurdistan region. The Kurds want their own country. And their own country will be essentially sliced up of portions from Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. This is the whole gist of what's going on right now. The West wants to essentially break up the Middle East. They do not want a unified Iraq, a unified Syria, a unified Lebanon, Jordan, Iran. They don't want that. They want these people broken up like the Tower of Babel. They don't want them to talk. They don't want them unified. But the problem is 
is that all of these nations are starting to realize that the United States is not good for them. So they're pushing back against the United States. And so they're leaving. And, and Erdogan, the president of Turkey, said, who the fuck are you, John Bolton? I, I, I don't I'm not paying attention to you. I'm not even meeting with you. That's what he said. Erdogan said, forget it. I am I'm supposed to meet with this idiot. I'm not meeting with him. So he brushes him off and says the United States in Syria is not in a position of negotiation. They're outnumbered. I don't know how many times to one your 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 fingerprints are all over terrorist activity and training terrorists and uh, and um, uh, massacred. Your, your fingerprints are all over it. You're smuggling weapons of mass destruction into Syria. You, it, you, you can't negotiate anything. So he said, now get out. And the United States, for what it's worth, the troops on the ground, not this MF, John Bolton, he said the, the troops on the ground are saying, we don't take orders from John Bolton. Nothing has changed. Trump said we're pulling out we're pulling out because they can read the writing on the wall. Bolton isn't over there. The troops are over there and they're saying there's no way we can win this. There's just no way we can win this. And so the mainstream media won't. First off, they will not report on that at all. Second off, the mainstream media will always will always always get a hard on for war. If you're female, you're going to get damp for war. And there was, we'll go back to what I digressed like a drunken mental patient from, William M. Arkin. He is a former reporter for NBC. He retired a couple of Fridays ago. And he essentially said, I'm worried about how much we are missing. Meaning, the media is so focused on bashing Donald Trump. For right or wrong, he's not even arguing why you should, if it's, val if it's valid or whatever else. He's just saying that there is so much focus on Donald Trump and there is such a, a, a hard-on and wet dreams of impeaching Donald Trump. You're completely missing the bigger problem, and that bigger problem is the defense industry. The defense industry, meaning they're starting wars all over the world. They're starting wars with Iran, China, Russia, North Korea. I mean, do you understand what's going on here? They're trying to get the United States and the West into World War III. And the biggest issue is going to be that the Russians and the Chinese, potentially India, they're not going to use conventional weapons anymore. This isn't going to be one country invading another and taking over a town and that, that country saying, oh, forget it, we lost. No. This is going to be a nuclear war. This is going to be a war fought with who knows what kind of technology, electromagnetic frequency technology, so that they can cause earthquakes, so that they can manipulate weather, which they already do, and manipulate the weather. And they're going to use nuclear weapons. Mark my words, if this comes to pass. And the media just sits there and they love it because they're bought and paid for by the Boeings and the Northrop Grummans. And there is, there is a concerted effort by very, very wealthy individuals that want war. Part of it has to do with the bankers. 
So Arkin says, I'm more worried about how much we, meaning the media, are missing. Hence my desire to take a step back and think why so little changes with regard to American wars. I'm alarmed at how quick NBC is to mechanically argue the contrary, meaning uh, Trump went in there to improve relations with Russia and denuclearize the North, uh, the North Korean regime and also withdrawing from Syria. That's what he's saying. I'm alarmed at how quick NBC is to mechanically argue the contrary to all of those things that Trump is trying to do, to be in favor of policies that just spell more conflict and more war. Really, we shouldn't get out of Syria? We shouldn't go for the bold move of denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula? Even on Russia, though we should be concerned about the brittleness of our democracy that is so vulnerable to manipulation, do we really yearn for the Cold War? And don't even get me started with the FBI. We now lionize this historically destructive institution. Whoa! Whoa! That is enormous. That is enormous. Arkin is basically saying, listen up, Eisenhower was right. There is a concerted effort to get the United States all over the world and into as many wars as possible, not to win them, just to sow discord and create chaos in those regions so the United States has leverage to do whatever it wants. It doesn't want to stay there and build up nations. It wants those nations weak. It wants to destroy those nations. It wants to break up all of these culturally in, um, intertwined uh, uh, I can't even think of the words anymore. You get what I'm saying. They're trying to break people up. So this is enormous. We finally have people that are starting to realize that, hey, wait a minute. The media is being manipulative with the American population. Thank you. That's what we've all been saying for years. And Arkin finishes. Uh, in uh, let's see. What does he say? There is a lot of media critique out there, tons of anal analysis of leadership and the presidency, but on the state of our national security, not so much. Hopefully I will find myself thinking beyond the current fire and fury and actually suggest a viable alternative. Wish me luck. That's how he ends it. That's how he ends it. So we have to start real, and I've been talking about this for a long, long time. This has to be, this has to be rectified this whole idea that the united states can engage in endless wars and the united states has nothing to gain from any of this i will say this there is going to be a reckoning that occurs here and it's not going to be pretty it started with the election of donald trump and the good thing about donald trump no matter what people say is that he has finally made the left wake up. They didn't wake up during Barack Obama because they felt good about electing a minority to the presidency. Let's be honest, Barack Obama didn't do much. He maintained the status quo. Nobody went to prison from the banks. He increased the amount of bombs that were dropped on brown people across the world. He dropped more weapons than President Bush did. He didn't do much. Now, finally, the left and the Democrats have woken up and said, hey, wait a minute, something is wrong with our political institutions and our government as a whole. Yeah, thanks for waking up. Either way, it's neither here nor there. 
They are finally starting to wake up. And here's the big thing. If Trump gets unelected in 2020 and they finally get somebody in that they really, really want, and I can't see anybody out there. I mean, who do they have? Beto? Beto is a billionaire. Some people, are like Bill Crystal of the, I think, the National Standard or something like that. He just started something else up. He's a, he's a big-time neocon. He's a loudmouth schnook. He started – he wants – he's promoting Romney. Of all people, he's promoting Romney. That's a, that's a fucking idiot right there. And he's also promoting Oprah Winfrey and Beto O'Rourke. Now, Beto O'Rourke is a billionaire. He himself is not a billionaire, but his wife, his wife comes from billions of dollars. This person is not going to speak for the average American. Let's be honest. He's not going to speak for the average American. He does not care. Yes, he probably sounds nice. People have been referring to him as the white Barack Obama. And now people are trying to also say that Beto O'Rourke should also run with Oprah Winfrey. Another fucking billionaire. Do you really think that two billionaires are going to be able to speak for the common man and woman? No. The average lunch bucket Pete and strap hanger John is not going to vote for two billionaires in hopes that they get their 40 acres. It's not going to happen. Oh, okay, so we'll go to Romney. Not good. Especially since it has been reported by HowMuch.net that the average American, guess what, makes $31,561. That's the average working American. So half of the working class in America, which is about half of the population. So you have 300 million Americans, about half of them work because some of them are kids. Some of them are elderly, whatever. So you have a hundred half of a seventy five million people make thirty one thousand dollars, and this is the sign of a first world nation. No, this is a sign of feudalism. That's what's coming down the pike. So how much dot net said thirty one thousand dollars? That's how much half of Americans make. Really? Oh, that doesn't sound good. Now, does it? And then between, then we've got people that make between thirty-five and fifty thousand dollars. That is, uh, let's see, five, eleven, uh, eleven and four, fifteen, uh, nineteen, twenty. About twenty percent of America's working class make between thirty-five. And $50,000. So if you really think about this, almost, almost 75% of America's working class makes $50,000. That's it. That's it. If you want to be considered middle class, you have to have at least an income of $110,000. That's not half of America. We do not have a middle class anymore. 
And then you've got people like Ocasio, who, by the way, I like. I don't I, – I, see, I'm a bit of a paradox because I like people like Ron Paul who says, forget it. We don't want any government involved. And I like people like Bernie Sanders who's, who – you know, Bernie Sanders is imploding because there are all of these women that are coming out of the woodwork saying that he groped them and he has had campaign staffers messing around with women and groping them. So I'll get to that later. I like people like Bernie Sanders – well, not in that way, but uh, their economic policy. And I like that. I like Ocasio's idea of allowing people to just have fucking health care. The Obama – Obamacare. Yeah, that was a big deal, so I can say I have health care, but nobody fucking accepts it. I was on the Affordable Care Act, and I couldn't even go to a walk-in clinic. That's how shitty the Obamacare health insurance is. But I could say that I had health insurance. Big deal. So now you're telling me that two billionaires, Oprah Winfrey and Beto O'Rourke, are going to speak for over 75,000, or, or yes, 75, uh, no, 75 million working class Americans. You're going to tell me that they're going to be able to speak for all of those people making $50,000 or less a year. No, that is not how it's going to work. The people that make $250,000 a year to $50 million a year only make up 1.4% of the United States working class Americans. And then you, they, don't even, they don't even bother to tell you about the people that make more than $50 million a year. And those are the people that Beto O'Rourke and uh, Oprah Winfrey are going to speak for. Oprah Winfrey, by the way, got upset about Ocasio, who is this the youngest uh, representative to be elected in the state of New York. She is the big-time socialist. She's not too swift when it comes to politics but uh, or uh, economics, although it is rumored that she did take a couple of courses in college about it. Uh, she's not too swift when it comes to that. However, she does raise a few good points, and let me tell you something. They're probably not hers. Somebody probably told her to say that, and that's fine. But the issue here is, who is going to try and really change this country if you're really trying to get uh, Trump unelected? It's not going to be Hillary Clinton. I'm, or that too. There's rumors that that fat ass is going to run again. There's no way. Oh, and by the way, uh, I, I just came across this. I didn't even realize this was out there. But there was an icky thing. I think it's called Frazzle something or Frazzles whatever. Um, I, I can't remember. Uh, but it is about an icky video that was found on Anthony Weiner's laptop under the insurance file. And it shows Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin, his wife or former wife, doing horrible, despicable, Luciferian, devil-worshipping bullshit to a child. I'm not even going to go into the details because even I got sick, if it's true. However, uh, Hillary Clinton is going to go run against Trump? Really? Ocasio is going to try and be in there? No. Oprah Winfrey told Ocasio, listen, sweetheart, 
You do not know how things work. I know you've got the rose-colored glasses, and it's Mrs. Smith goes to Washington here, but l listen, you're not going to tax me or any of my friends 70% of my wealth. It's just not going to happen. You got elected. It's a nice story, Ocasio, that you did get elected, but know where your bread is being buttered from. You don't run this. We run this. So get that straight. And this, these people, these people are going to speak for Americans. 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, including many people that work for the government. And this is according to Michael Snyder on the Economic Collapse blog. So 78% of workers, which we just found out from howmuch.net, is about 70 is about every worker that makes at least 50 or uh, at most $50,000 or less. They are living paycheck to paycheck. If an emergency occurred, they throw it on their credit card and they never pay it off. You want to go to college? Good luck. You'll never pay it off. So that so I don't know what the Democrats are going to do with all of this. They really think they've got something going on here? I don't think so. I really don't. And it is beyond me to actually realize or, or to actually understand what is going through their mind. Their, their only argument to any of this, to any of this is, well, it's not Trump and we have to unelect Trump. That That's not a campaign promise. That's not going to change anything. That's going to make certain people in your back pocket and the ones that are paying you feel better about themselves because they don't like Trump. However, it doesn't help anybody. You're not getting rid of Trump. It's not going to happen with what you're fucking doing. So you either better pull your head out of your ass so that you can see the light of day or shut the fuck up and realize that you're going to deal with another six years of Trump because what you're doing right now is bullshit. You got nothing going on. You got nothing. So I alluded to a story Bernie Sanders there are rumors that uh, he was very permissive. Uh, pardon me. I must. Uh, I, I need a drink. I'm very parched at this point. So Bernie Sanders on his campaign in 2016, uh, even though he was uh, cheated out of winning the primaries by Hillary Clinton, he was still out there and he was no better than Bill Clinton. Uh, there are people that are reporting, this is according to the Times, uh, that Miss D. Loro said in an interview that, well, Mr. Sanders decided to run his hand through her hair in a sexual way and continued to grab, touch, and quote-unquote push my boundaries for the rest of the day. I just wanted to be done with it so badly. And she reported the incident to a Bill Vasquez, who is a manager of the Latino outreach team that was working for Sanders. I bet you would have liked. <clears throat> excuse me. I bet you would have liked if it if he were younger. And that's how they resolve this issue. So can you imagine that <laughs> your your wife or daughter gets touched by a political candidate, she reports it, and the person that she reports it to says, well, 
if the candidate was younger, you probably wouldn't have said anything. Yes, this is the Me Too movement in the Democrat Party. Or I shouldn't say that. Uh, Sanders is an independent, but a lot of Democrats and social Demo socialist Democrats like him. So I guess we can lump it in there. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Well, he was, if he was younger, you'd like him. And accounts like Miss Dolores, apparently, according to the Times, uh, describing episodes of sexual harassment and demeaning treatment, as well as pay disparity. Pay disparity. So Sanders runs on equal pay. Sanders runs on there's no difference between a man and a woman, which, damn it, there isn't. There really isn't. There's no reason why a woman should be pay, be uh, being paid less for a job in uh, America's office or anywhere else. There's no reason why a woman should be being paid less. There, there's nothing that says they should be. And there's nothing. There's, I can't find an argument for it. So he's saying this. There's pay disparity within the Sanders campaign. Okay. And based on gender. Now, as the Vermont senator tries to build support for a second run at the White House, his perceived failure to address the issue has damaged his progressive bona fides, delegates, and nearly a dozen former state and national staff members that have uh, conducted interviews over the last month. Samantha Davis, the former director of operations for Sanders in Texas and New York, said, I did experience success, ugh, sexual harassment during the campaign, and there was no one who could or would help. Oh, good. That's great. Sarah Slamon, or Slamon, who worked for the campaign in Texas, was the state coordinator in Louisiana, and helped build out Our Revolution, the progressive organization that was with uh, Sanders' presidential campaign. I don't think... He has to be the vehicle or the platform for the movement that emerged from his campaign. Do you know how hard that is for me to say after working so hard for him? So, yes, she's saying, look, I, you know, he said some good things, but he's not a good person. And the people that work for him aren't good people. How crazy is that? It is insane. Miss Davis, another former staffer. A former state director said she was originally paid $2,400 a month as a senior staff member and saw in the campaign's record, the campaign records that a younger man who was originally supposed to report to her, to her, she's bringing in $2,400 a month and a, a junior staffer reporting to her is bringing in, get this, $5,000 a month. How is that possible? I helped at least a dozen women request raises so that they would be paid on par with their male peers. So the, the, the Bernie Sanders campaign is a joke. It's just as sexist. It's just as shitty as any other campaign. So you got the... Oh, God. It's so disappointing to see this. So disappointing to see this. And now, I mean, the Democrats just keep shooting themselves in the foot. And the Republicans that are constantly against Trump also shoot themselves in the foot. So get, get this. You'll love this. You'll love this. Uh, from This is reported by Mac Slavo of Shiftplan. S-H-T-F-Plan.com. 
and this has been reported by a couple of other people too. Uh, get this. So there was, according to some people in the mainstream media, a Russian bot campaign perpetrated by Hamilton 68, which is supposed to be uh, a, a, an altruistic website. So get this. There was the former CEO of LinkedIn. I think he, he, I can't remember if he's former or current. He is the CEO of LinkedIn and a couple of other assholes. Guess what they did? They created a whole bunch of fake profiles on Facebook, Twitter, and everywhere else and made it look like they were Russian profiles. And then they went around and tried to pretend to support Republican candidates across the country to make it look like Russians were interfering in the election again and the Republican Party was compromised by Russian intelligence. And these people were Democrats doing this. Yes. Glenn Greenwald tweeted, With an open mind, please read M.Z. Hemingway on how the United States media's mindless, shocking acceptance of every claim from Hamilton 68, a group formed by Bill Crystal, CIA officials, and various neocons, has deceived millions with false stories. And Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff, this little turd who's on the Intelligence Committee, and always against Trump, and he's the one that is responsible for leaking tons of classified material from the Mueller investigation. He's out there supporting Hamilton 68. And Glenn Greenwald continues, from the way it was formed to the secrecy of its methods, to the blatant false assumptions on which its claims rest, Hamilton 68 is probably the single most successful media fraud and U.S. propaganda campaign I've seen since I've been writing about politics. Working on, ha and this is from RT, Russia Today, working on behalf of the Democrats, Morgan and his crew created an, estimate, an estimated 1,000 fake Twitter accounts with Russian names. And they followed Roy Moore, who was the Republican candidate. They also operated several Facebook pages where they posed as Alabama conservatives who wanted like-minded voters to support a write-in candidate instead. In an internal memo, New Knowledge boasted that it had orchestrated an elaborate false flag operation that planted the idea that, Moore, that the Moore campaign was amplified on social media because of Russian bots. Are you serious? So you've got, you've got a never-Trumper Bill Crystal. You've got CIA officials. You've got dual-citizen neocons. And you've got Adam Schiff, who's on the Intelligence Committee, supporting Hamilton 68. And they all created Hamilton 68. And then in turn, these people created fake Russian profiles and fake conservative profiles to make it look like Republicans have been compromised by Russian intelligence so that any Republican that runs anywhere in the United States is really a pinko, a commie pinko. And you're telling me there's no conspiracy. You've got CEOs from LinkedIn doing this. You're telling me there's no conspiracy. The big thing was that the, a couple of days ago was that Manafort, former campaign guy, 
Manafort was out there giving the Russians polling data. Well, the problem is this. He wasn't giving Russians polling data. He was giving Ukrainians polling data. Ukraine and Russia are at loggerheads right now because the United States performed a coup, a military coup in the Ukraine because the Ukraine used to be pro-Russian. And it's the Ukraine, not Ukraine. Sorry. And now they, they're saying, well, he is clearly the Russia, uh, uh, the, the Trump campaign worked with Russia. They were giving the Russians polling data. Big fucking deal, asshole. Who cares about poll? I could get polling data. It's not that big of a deal. I can go out there and hire somebody. Hey, can you take a poll in this thing? Thanks a lot. You can find out what women did this, what men did that. How they voted, how many Democrats, how many Republicans, what they think about these issues. Lukewarm to red hot. It doesn't matter. Anybody can do it. And if Russia as a country is trying to manipulate American elections somehow, still haven't found out how they quote unquote hack the election. What does hacking an election mean? If they're trying to do that, they don't need Manafort. They don't need Trump to collect polling data. Are you fucking stupid? How come nobody's reporting on how Facebook and Google gave, gave personal information, personal data to the Democrats, to Barack Obama, to the Hillary Clinton campaign? How come nobody is reporting on that? That's far more damaging and far more dangerous to a quote-unquote democracy or a republic than handing over polling data to a Ukrainian agent who was probably compromised by the FBI or the CIA anyway. Which it turned out the guy was compromised by the CIA. He was working for the FBI for years before he met Manafort. I don't remember the guy's name, but that's what really happened. Manafort gave an FBI agent or a contractor to the FBI polling data. And, and it's, it's fucking polling data, guys. It's no big fucking deal. Of course, you got all the comedians out there and all the left. Oh, my God. He gave polling data. He found out what men and women thought in a certain county of the United States. So Russia clearly went in there and made a $1 million investment in a multi-billion dollar campaign. And completely manipulated the American populace on the, in the 2016 election. No. No, that's not what fucking happened. And start investigating real issues. Why is Google and Facebook handing over personal data, sex messages, text messages, filthy emails, handing it over for free to the Clinton campaign, the Barack Obama administration, and also, and also, various contractors for the Democrats. Why are they allowed to do that? How come nobody is questioning them? It's an outrage. But since since they don't like Trump, it doesn't matter if you're left or right. It doesn't matter whether you like Trump or not. You've got these, these big brother corporations handing over your data to politicians. And nobody says a word about it because they hate Trump more. And they're actually, it's a loud, loud minority that hate Trump. That's the fucking problem. So there's one other story I wanted to get to. Actually, two other stories. Since we're talking about Manafort and everything else. Being that the Democrats uh, took over the House, they want to grill Mnuchin. 
over a Russian oligarch who was an FBI asset. So basically, Oleg Deripaska met with Mnuchin, who is the Treasury Secretary for Donald Trump, in April of 2016. And so, uh, Oleg Deripaska's corporation or company was sanctioned. And then the, the United States took a step back and said, well, well, wait a minute. We're not going to sanction the corporation. We're just going to sanction Mr. Deripaska. Now, the problem is this, and this is this also goes with Flynn, right? So the FBI compromised Deripaska. He's been working for them since 2009. 2009. And he met with Munchkin. In a series of secret hotel meetings in Paris, Vienna, Budapest, Hungary, and Washington, agents persuaded the aluminum industry magnate to underwrite the mission. The Russian billionaire insisted the operation uh, neither involve nor harm his homeland. He also wanted to say, because he's working for the FBI, he said that since Bruce Orr and the Christopher Steele dossier, including Christopher Steele, was being generated, he would help the FBI, right? So get this. He said the attempt, the, uh, this is according to the New York Times, the attempt to flip Mr. Deripaska was part of a broader clandestine American effort to gauge the possibility of gaining cooperation from roughly half a dozen Russian oligarchs. Aha. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So what the, were they doing with those oligarchs, you might ask? What they were trying to do was entrap members of the Trump campaign. So the FBI and the CIA, mostly the FBI, under Comey, under Bruce Orr, under Peter Stroke, they were trying to get people on the payroll to say, oh boy, we just saw a Trump campaign person working with foreign agents. This is treason. And so when Christopher Steele was coming up empty-handed, who was hired by... Fusion GPS, who was hired by a law firm, who was hired by the Clinton campaign. The Clinton campaign paid for the goddamn thing, the Christopher Steele dossier. The FBI wanted to try to get Der Deripaska. And Deripaska said, sure, I'll help you out. I've been doing it since 2009. The Hill reported that first he did collude with Americans. Deripaska colluded with Americans. In the form of voluntarily assisting and meeting with the FBI, the Department of Justice, and people such as Bruce Orr between 2009 and 2016. He also wants Americans to know that he did not cooperate or assist with the Steele dossier. And he tried to dispel the FBI notion that Russia and the Trump campaign colluded. So the FBI's own Russian agent said, guess what? There was no collusion with the Trump campaign in Russia. He's on the FBI's payroll. The FBI tried to get him to entrap the Trump campaign. And he said, guess what? I know what's going on. And there's no fucking collusion. That is a huge deal. And that is a huge fucking deal. And nobody's saying anything about it. So two final stories. One is Kim.com. Kim.com is the person that said, guess what? I have evidence and data to prove 
that the John Podesta emails that were put up on WikiLeaks was not a Russian hack. There was no Russian hacking. And if Mueller wants to talk to me, he can do it. I have evidence. I'll provide the evidence to the Mueller camp uh, special counsel, whatever the fuck it is. And Mueller said, no, thanks. You don't go with the story, so that doesn't work. Kim.com tweeted, guess what? 2019 is going to be a blockbuster year because all of the deep state apparatus, apparatchet, whatever you call it, workers and whatever else, they are going to be exposed. And it ain't going to be pretty. So gird your loins for that. Hackers have threatened to dump secret 9-11 files unless you pay them in Bitcoin. And get this. They didn't just hack government computers. They hacked the insurance companies like Lloyd's of London and the legal firms and the law firms that work with Lloyd's of London to cover up, create non-disclosure agreements, and also to create settlements with victims of 9-11. This also includes Larry Silverstein and Silverstein Properties of the World Trade Center properties. He's the one that owns the World Trade Center properties. He's also the one that said they're going to have to pull building number seven on September 11th, meaning that there were explosives within building number seven to demolish it prior to 9-11. Building number seven was never fucking hit. So that's what Dark Overlord, these hackers that call themselves Dark Overlord, they're saying. We have 18,000 secret documents, and we're going to leak it unless we get paid in Bitcoin. They've only got 12 grand in Bitcoin so far. I somehow believe this isn't going to be enough. Motherboard is reporting the hacking group published a small set of letters, emails, and other documents that mention various law firms, as well as the Transport Security Administration, TSA, and the Federal Aviation Administration. Those documents themselves appear to be fairly innocuous, and the Dark Overlord included a link for a 10-gigabyte archive of files it allegedly stole. The group also provided a link to this archive to Motherboard before publishing its announcement. The cache, not cache, is encrypted, but the hackers are threatening to release the relevant decryption keys, unlocking different sets of files at a time. Unless the victims pay, Lloyds of London, the hackers an undisclosed ransom fee in Bitcoin. So this is interesting. So it appears Kim.com may in fact know more than he's letting on. So I am really looking forward to this year because we have the deep state being exposed. We also have, finally, 9-11 documents coming to light 18 years later. So that is it for me. This has been a 55-fucking-minute podcast. It's a new record for yours truly. Uh, Cafe Americane podcast. I'm your host, Christian. And I am on Stitcher. I am on Podbean. I am on YouTube. I am on, um, I think, iHeartRadio soon. I'm on iTunes. So gird your loins, break out the lube, and listen to me more often because I want to make this a full-time career. I cannot stand office work, and I'm going fucking nuts. Thanks again. Until next time, this is your intrepid host, Christian.